For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The default state of the universe is darkness. That in order to have light, there needs to be an external source of energy. In order for that light to shine and go out, uh, that energy needs to be to be uh, expending itself, and otherwise there would always be darkness. In the 1600s, uh, it began the the period of the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment was all about um, reason, uh, individualism, uh, skepticism. It was an attempt to shed off the superstition of the Dark Ages. And so, uh, and and the Enlightenment was neither all good nor all bad. Um, It was an important period in, in the history of humanity. But what we saw was a major humanistic shift inward. This thought that that with my intellect and my reason, with my five senses, that I can bring, shed light into the darkness that I see around me. Um, the, the, this metaphorical darkness, that, that I can be a source uh, of light, that I don't need to look elsewhere, that my reason and my intellect can shed light on the darkness. Another law of physics is the law of entropy, and that is that over time things break down, things decay, things get worse. When I leave my daughter Addison in her room alone over the course of a week, her room does not get cleaner. Never. There has to be uh, an external source of energy or work that is done in order to preserve, in order to bring order or unity. Um, We see that in everything around us, even our bodies. As I get older, I am experiencing the aches and pains, the entropy in my own uh, cells, uh, that over time things break down. It's a, it's a law of physics. And um, in the 1700s, after the Enlightenment, we saw uh, the period of that, that's known as Romanticism. And Romanticism was an emphasis upon emotion and, and nature. And it was a response to maybe the dry intellectualism of the Enlightenment. Romanticism was about emotion. And it sought to, to overcome the decay of society um, through its own sort of emotions and feelings, through art and, and literature. Uh, it tried to bring the heart back into, into sort of the decay that it saw around itself. Again, not all of Romanticism was all bad and not all of it was all good. Um, it just happened. Um, but again, in Romanticism, there was once again this, this inward shift of individualism, that I can be the source of, of, of joy, that I can be the source of preservation, of, of culture, um, and of light. Um, within the, the DNA of, of both of these movements, it was, it was this, this individualism that really was at the center. And, and we're still living out some of the effects of that as it's continued to spiral more and more towards, I am the source of light. I am the source of preservation, that I can keep things alive and from decay, that, that I look inward uh, for wisdom and I look inward for purpose. Um, Jesus, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount here, has just walked us through the Beatitudes, this process of uh, of of what it means to be a disciple, of being broken in spirit all the way through to hungering and thirsting for righteousness, uh, and, and then sort of the outflow of that, of being outwork uh, mercy and, and being a peacemaker, um, and, and being blessed for actually uh, seeking to follow follow Jesus. Um, and so we pick up the text here uh, coming out of the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. 
You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Uh, salt in that day was a, a valuable commodity. It was a, a preservative. Um, that was how, you know, apart from you know not having refrigeration, that's how they preserve meat. You see, when you salt something, the salt absorbs the moisture and it pulls the moisture out. Uh, and without moisture, bacteria dies. And that's how meat in particular is preserved through salting. Uh, if, if salt wasn't salty, uh, then it meant that it, it wasn't pure. It had um, sort of dirt and other things in it, uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't going to be useful to actually preserve anything, and so they would just throw it out onto the streets. Uh, so the importance of salt was, was extremely important in this day and age. It also brought flavor as well, um, but it, the most important property was really about preservation. Uh, and, and, and life was actually really difficult without salt. Um, then verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Again, you think about the context in which this is written with no electricity. Uh, think about the importance of light that on a dark night, especially if the stars are covered or the moon is not shining brightly. Um, th think about how trapped you would feel and, and without having these giant powered flashlights, I mean, you could probably only see a couple of steps ahead of yourself at a time. You know, if you've, if you've ever walked around with, with a candle lantern, um, you know that uh, that you don't get to see much, that light is so vitally important. Um, I just remember back as well to the power outage in, in 2018 and, and living in that kind of darkness and the importance and the value of having candles and light of some kind so that you could function. It says, you are the light of the world, a city on, on a hill. And, and there's a reference here as well to, to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a city up on a hill. It was called uh, the city, uh, the, the light on the hill. Uh, and, and it also represented Israel as well. Israel was supposed to be a light to the Gentile nations. They had a mission to be this beacon of light. And that's why the city was so important as sort of this external symbol of what they were called to do. Um, Israel uh, didn't always do all that well at this task. Uh, and so Jesus is now sort of reiterating in some ways that same commission um, to, to those who are listening to his audience here. You are now the light of the world, not the city. Or verse 15, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. There, there's this idea that our, it's, it's our good works. Again, the outflow of the character that God is calling in us is, as we love others, the love, uh, the kindness that we show to others, the, the love that we have for each other, love one another as I have loved you. By this, they shall know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Um, it's through this love and this outward action that, that is a light that shines to other people and they see, uh, they see the impact uh, of God in our lives. Um, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are this preservative and you are the light of the world, bringing light into the darkness. Shine. Um, I think it's, it's insightful that you don't blame darkness for being dark. That's what you expect. You ask where the lights are. You don't walk into a dark room and, and get upset about it being dark. You just wonder why no one has turned on the light. Um, it, it, and that's sort of, again, the default state of the universe, right? It's, it's darkness. The light needs to be this external thing that shines. 
You also don't blame meat for decomposing. That's what meat does. If you leave it out, that's what's going to happen. If you leave it in the fridge too long, again, it's not going to be good over time. You don't blame the meat for going bad. And so when we take culturally, when we take that idea and we, we look at the world around us, it shouldn't surprise us that people are living in darkness. It shouldn't surprise us that people are walking around aimlessly, desperately seeking to grab hold of truth, whatever truth they can find. That's the default state. We shouldn't get angry or be surprised when we see a culture around us that seems to be in decay, like rapidly decaying. That shouldn't surprise us. That's that's a law of physics, that things decay over time. Instead, we need to be looking at ourselves and going, hey, if there is so much darkness, why aren't we shining more brightly? Jesus says, you are the light of the world. The expectation is that, that through our love, through the Spirit dwelling within us, that we are to be the ones who are shining in the darkness, not blaming the darkness or judging the darkness or being dark. But, but asking how can we shine brighter to show the truth um, to the world around us, to bring the light into the darkness. And you don't blame the meat for decaying, right? I don't blame the burger that's been left in the backseat of the car for, you know, two weeks for stinking up the car. No, I blame the kids for not cleaning up the back seat. You know, the, 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 the onus goes back on the church and says, well, why aren't we uh, more actively preserving? Why aren't we being salt in the world, preserving against the decay? And, and I think Jesus is, is trying to call us uh, away from, from separating ourselves from the world and, and judging it and judging the brokenness and judging the sin and judging just the crazy, what is going on? And instead, I think he's looking at us saying, yeah, of course it's dark and of course it's decaying. That's why you're there, to be the light and to be the salt that preserves. Um, and I think it's insightful that Jesus doesn't issue this command to a group of scholars. He's not telling the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the priests. He's not talking to celebrities or politicians. It's a crowd of commoners. It's just a crowd of everyday people. It's you and it's me. And Jesus says, you, you are the light in the darkness around us. Don't hide. Shine. You are the salt that's needed to preserve the people around you. Don't stay in the bag. Go out and salt it. And we don't do that by judging. We don't do that by protesting and condemning. As we saw in the, in the Beatitudes, that our response is supposed to be mercy, which is pity. Surrender our own, our own needs, our own likes, our own desires in order to shine and to be a peacemaker and to shine a light of hope and joy and love in the world around us. And, and yeah, these small acts might not save the world, but if we can compound them, if the church in our country, if the church around the world can do these small acts daily of just trying to be a light, trying to shine the goodness, the love, the hope of Jesus, and trying to salt and preserve that, that there is hope, there is truth, and by living that out in people's lives and encouraging them, um, then, then we'll start to see change. 
change against this default state of darkness and decay. Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth. That we are the light of the world. Let's shine and let's go. It's a challenge for each of us in our everyday lives, your workplace, your family, your neighborhood. How can you be salt? How can you be light? And usually the answer is love. I pray for um, courage. I pray also for innovation and creativity in how to do this well. Let me pray. Jesus, um, help us to take this command seriously. Not to just judge the world around us for its darkness and its decay, but rather um, see our part in it and our responsibility as you tell us that we are the salt and that, that we are the light. God, help us to go. Help us to shine. Help us to love our neighbors. Spirit, I pray that you give us courage and creativity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, hope you have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.